Would you like to swing on a star? Carry movies home in a jar And be better off than you are Oh, wouldn't you rather be a mule? A mule is an animal with long funny ears He kicks up at anything he hears By the way, if you hate to go to school, you may grow up to be a mule. Hey everybody, welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. So we are coming off of the great comedy Walk Hard for our 100th episode, uh, a movie that I have referred to as The Goat, which I did on that episode. And we are switching gears to a different comedy, which I do not refer to as The Goat. We are looking at 1991's Hudson Hawk. Um, It was directed by Michael Lehman. Uh, I was not super familiar with him by name, and I was looking up uh, what he had done. And so he actually is the director of Heathers, so that's his uh, big claim to fame. Uh, He also directed the very fun 90s comedy Airheads. He did Meet the Applegates, which I haven't seen, um, but uh, has been something out there for me at some point, uh, you know, to get to at some point. Truth About Cats and Dogs, 40 Days and 40 Nights. So he started to slant into the more romantic comedy kind of stuff in the 90s and 2000s. Um, And he had a few other credits as well, but those were the more prominent ones. Um, And the movie was written by Daniel Waters, uh, who also wrote Heather's. Um, and then that guy also co-wrote Batman Returns and co-wrote Demolition Man. So, uh, that was surprising to find out. Um, and then Stephen E. D'Souza, uh, was also one of the writers on this. And he wrote Commando, he wrote Running Man, and he co-wrote Die Hard, 48 Hours, and Judge Dredd. So uh, the creative people behind this, like, they have some pretty sizable credits. Um, you know, not everything was, like, a success, but definitely, like, some big movies at the time. And definitely some movies, you know, like Batman Returns and Heathers, um, you know, are still, like, very prominent in pop culture. And, you know, people have fond memories and everything. 48 Hours, influential in certain regards. Um, but, yes, for this episode, we are looking at Hudson Hawk the film that features both Pope John Paul II and the Mario Brothers. So that is what you are uh, in for here tonight. Um, The film uh, itself was a critical failure, um, and it only grossed uh, $17 and earned three Razzie Awards, um, including Worst Picture. Um, But it was ultimately a success. Uh, It only grossed $17 in the United States, I should say. Um, so it had a $65 million budget, but it was a total worldwide gross of $97 million. So uh, it probably, like, with once you figure in marketing and all the kind of Hollywood junk um, and, and theater, the theaters get a cut of that and stuff, um, you know, it probably, like, was a bit above breaking even or something. It, was, it, pro- it likely turned a profit, um, a, a decent enough profit. Um, but in the United States, it was not successful and was, uh, you know, critically reviled. Um, yeah, so cast wise, um, this, uh, this movie has like a, you know, definitely some notable people, people that, you know, people you've seen, uh, we have Bruce Willis is our lead as Eddie Hawkins slash the Hudson Hawk. Um, Danny Aiello, is that right? Aiello. 
I L I is it well is it two L's? Are you do you, do you pronounce that in Italian? You say Ello? Uh every time I've heard his name said, but that was always Americans. Okay. All right, all right. Well, however you say that name, uh Danny Aiello, Danny Aiello, uh he is like uh, Hudson Hawk's partner. Andy McDowell is a, a nun with a mission. Uh, Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhard are a married couple. They are our primary villains. Um, David Caruso shows up as some kind of uh, henchman character. Uh, James Coburn is uh, the ringleader of like a second group of villains. There's multiple villains in this movie. They're it gets the kind CIA. of everybody's but, in on everybody is in on this absolutely everybody in this movie is in on this heist or not really a heist because everybody's yeah. in on it including pope john paul ii uh but yeah so james coburn shows up uh in a supporting role and that's right you guessed it frank stallone is in this film as well in a small part so uh yeah, uh, those are some of the people that you would see if you chose to watch Hudson Hawk on your own volition. Um, most of us did not. Uh, so uh, we'll have some things to talk about, some production stuff, some uh, things about the plot. I mean, I guess just up front, I'll say like the basic idea is Hudson Hawk is uh, like a cat burglar. He and Danny Aiello are, are partners and uh, they've done various heists. He has been in jail for like nearly a decade. He gets out and then he has to, uh, you know, like find these parts uh, that, that go toward a machine that Leonardo da Vinci created that would turn uh, lead into gold. Um, it, it, it's explained that da Vinci was really trying to turn lead into bronze to make this amazing statue or something, but that, uh, you know, it ended up turning lead into gold. Um, and then was just forgotten about for centuries or da Vinci like covered it up. I don't know. Wasn't too clear on that point, but obviously our villains want to, uh, find it. I think da that was making a face, but why didn't da Vinci fucking use that shit? Did, was there a line? That he was I too good. No, but no, his he... pensive looks constantly. He was just staring like, mm, should I be doing this in, in thinking in Italian that we don't know what he's saying, but seriously, he was just sitting there looking like, mm, this is not a great thing. Mm. We're supposed to guard. I yeah. think we're supposed to gather that. Yeah. Nate, Nate caught on. He <laughs> looked at it, realized that that would uh, possibly ruin society. And he's the one who broke uh, the crystals apart and hid them away. So that but why wouldn't no you just destroy them? Because then I you wouldn't have a movie. That's not a good answer. That's what's unclear. If, if he genuinely thought it was like something disruptive and terrible, you would just like, you'd, you'd throw it in a fucking volcano. You would destroy all possibility for it to work. You destroy your, you destroy the book that gives the instructions of how to make the machine. Because he was too obsessed with but his own that... creation. It was too important to just destroy. Exactly. And then you wouldn't have the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> Nor would you what? have wonderful what? things like reindeer goat cheese pizza. Look, so. you can <laughs> rip pages out of a book. You can rip pages out of a book. You don't have to destroy the whole book. 
All I'm saying is, if the movie wanted to convey the idea that Da Vinci thought that this was terrible, it doesn't really sell me on that idea if Da Vinci then keeps all the parts around to make it happen. And literally gives a guide of how to do it in a book. Because all he's doing is just like, oh, okay, there'll just be some big wild goose chase 500 years in the future. And then, like, you know, future Hitler's going to get this and destroy it. It wasn't Da Vinci. It was his assistant's in code. Okay, that solves everything. All right, so without further ado, uh, we will introduce our uh, our cast here. Uh, so uh, we have all returning people, and uh, we've probably had this grouping together before, right? Uh, we were supposed to, and I got sick. I think I was fighting a kidney stone or something. Oh, fun. Did you win, great. son? Uh, well, it, it came out, so yes. <laughs> I mean, I would assume I beat the kidney stone. I'm still alive, and it's not in my body. Ah, well, David has uh, has redeemed himself with that <laughs> meme reference right there. Okay, so uh, no longer battling a kidney stone, we have Nate joining us. Hey, uh, this was fun to watch. Um, as I think is a running thing with my movies that I watch with you, I first saw this many times edited for television only. And so I showed it to my kids and they thought this was probably the stupidest movie they've seen in a while, but they did enjoy it. But they were like, I mean, they, they also enjoyed Zoolander, which is one of my favorites, but, uh, which is also very stupid, but they enjoyed the movie. And everybody came away with the same question, which is, what the hell is a reindeer goat cheese pizza? And upon further looking, uh, what was the movie Bruce Willis played with Damon Wayans in? Um, uh, I, I, I read this trivia, too. I don't know if it's the same one. Uh, I thought it was like Last Man Standing or something was... It, it was so something... What, it's something where he says the same line. Yeah, he says the same line about reindeer goat cheese pizza. And so, obviously, this exists in the same world as that movie. And there's a, a broader reindeer goat cheese pizza universe that we need to discover and find out what the cinematic uh, movies, what, what the cinematic history is of that. Mm. So, yes, I, it's right up there with the MCU in terms I of agree. importance to the cinema landscape. I think All right. so. Uh, we, we also have returning here Ryan. Uh, so, uh, so, Ryan watched Hudson Hawk with us. Welcome, Ryan. Hello. Uh, I bet Bruce Willis thought he was so fucking cool when he made this movie. <laughs> Stupid little vest and his blossom hat. Yeah, but it's four earrings. That was pretty badass. <laughs> Doesn't even know how to fucking pick a lock, right? And I, it appears like David has a has a Hudson Hawk hat. Uh, apparently, he probably bought the original one off of some kind of auction or something for eight grand. Welcome, I've also David. Got the vest on the blue t shirt. David is the reason that we all watched Hudson Hawk. Really? Oh, uh, thank you, David. You're welcome. I have fond memories of uh, catching this entirely too often on Co comedy central uh do you have current fond memories of it uh yes <laughs> and i mean there's a soft spot in my heart for sandra bernhardt always 
Ah, uh, yes. You well, let's let's get that off uh, out right away. <laughs> David had revealed to me in the past that this movie gave him a, I think, a, a sexual awakening via Sandra Bernhardt. Which what is I wrong was, with you? <laughs> thank you. I was particularly so. I I had seen this movie years and years ago. Like as Nate said, it used to be on like TBS and TNT all the time. So I had seen. I think it's like dinner and a movie used to do this kind of stuff. So I, I remember seeing at least like parts of it. But I don't know if I ever watched the whole thing. So I watched all of it this time and keeping in mind David's comments on that. And then I didn't know who else was in it or whatever. And then I see that like, I'm watching the movie and it's like Annie McDowell's in it and is very cute in it. And you go Sandra Bernhardt. Like <laughs> I'm not saying Annie McDowell's like my favorite actress ever or like sexiest or whatever, but she looks good. And at that time she was doing a lot. Yeah. Uh- Hey, Sandra Bernhardt was good enough for uh, for Madonna. I don't know time, what that means. Allegedly. Oh, um, they she and Madonna fucking. had a... How am I the only one who remembers it? Because the rest of us aren't regularly Googling Sandra Bernhardt's sexual history. <laughs> I, I just or, remember it. Or um, wish he was part of it. Come, this is this came up in a different conversation I've had, and the people were like, "What? No, Sandra Bernhardt had a very close friendship with Madonna. She would show up on Letterman a lot in the late '80s, early '90s, and I st- stayed up late and was watched a lot of TV. And um, they had a close friendship, potentially more. There was a really famous one where the two of them uh, were dressed up as each other, like in matching outfits on Letterman." And Sandra Bernhardt hosted uh, Real Wild Cinema on USA, which was on at like midnight or something mm. in the uh, mid-90s. And it was just clips of um, bad public domain uh, B-movies, like sci-fi and horror movies. And it was so much fun. And she was so sad. How can you not love that gap tooth uh, sarcasm? Fantastic uh, wit. So wait, is uh, because Sandra the acting is terrible. Is she is she gay or bi or people just assume that she was in a relationship with Madonna and it could have been like a Gail King Oprah thing where they were just like super close or something? Uh, oh no, she's bi. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but yeah, Sandra Bernhardt, love her, always have. She's she's fantastic. Well, Nate, I mean, you were shaking your head in, in, in just absolute disappointment. David, I've known you for a long time, and your choice in women has never been good. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we were like being playful and shit. Wow. That was that was like that was a low blow. I'm one. sorry, David. I love you. I, I don't know if we've had a, a worse statement made on the show before. Hey, I've been trying to figure out what's going to get me in trouble. So, Oh, you're not in We're trouble all... with me. You, you know, but if you want to shatter your relationship with David, that's cool. All right, oh, weren't, no. Um... Weren't all four of you at my wedding to my ex-wife? Yes. Yes, I was. Well, I, yeah, we were. We were at your comic book wedding. That was Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. That was a fun time. So was my wife. Uh, all right, Spider-Man, so, but she was there. Um, <laughs> I, I thought you were responding to Linton's It Was a Fun Time, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> no. well, all right. Spider-Man and comic book weddings and Sandra Bernhardt and David's taste in women and 
Nate's wife's sexual proclivities aside, let's get back to the movie. I mean, she did ask me to call, name drop her in the video, so Rebecca, there you have it. <laughs> All right. Perfect. So anyway, uh, quick opening thoughts. Uh, what do we make of Hudson Hawk? Did Bruce Willis's son write it? <laughs> no, Bruce Willis did. Oh, that makes more sense. Well, I actually I said all the people who wrote it, but Bruce Willis yeah, had know. like a story credit. But it just uh, feels like a child wrote it. <laughs> well, I mean, a, a child definitely did the sound design for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which that I, I mean, I know this is supposed to be campy, um, but the 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 cartoon esque. Um, the sound effects were a little bit like made no sense to me whatsoever. Didn't even feel like it fit with anything to do with anything like the, it it was definitely three stooges. I'd say uh, feeling at times. The three stooges are funny. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. I, I still love this movie. I hadn't seen it since uh, the nineties and I was so glad that that we did watch it for this because a few of the jokes are problematic now, but not as many as I, not as many as I would expect. Not as bad as say a season of friends, but (laughs) it's a bad movie, but all the jokes landed for me, which says more about me than anyone else. And my my old, uh... go ahead. Oh, Richard Grant, uh, his ridiculous performance as the uh, villain, just beautiful. Well, he hated it. Oh, did he? <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. I, I did read that uh, somebody, I, I was like another filmmaker or something, told came up to him or met him or something and said, like, you know, it seems like everybody hates Hudson Hawk, but, you know, I really liked it or told him something and, and, you know, Richard Grant said something. I, I don't have the quote, but it was something basically like, you know, you're full of shit. That movie is total garbage or something. You know, like, he just thought it was awful. Uh, going back to what you said about the jokes landing, my kids definitely question why there are so many jokes about screwing a dog. So if oh. those, I mean, <laughs> Hudson Hawk wanted to fuck that dog. And it was, I mean, and it wasn't even like a joke. He was legit enjoying the dog, like jumping like, on his pawing nuts. at his crotch. It was and a different time. Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis is doing faces that Im- imply that. So it's like, yeah. And then said, "Hey, you should have let me let him let uh, let it kept going. I was almost there." And yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It was, my my kids were like, "Are you kidding me? Like, why are we laughing at this?" <laughs> I I think. And this is our hero, folks. This is our our hero. This is Bruce Willis in his prime. And again, story, all jokes story were by credit. With, all jokes landing with David here. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, all of that. Don't keep it. Fair enough. Sorry. Dumb fun movie. Also enjoyable to see what happens when a bunch of people uh, like Bruce Willis in his prime make uh, making a movie with like. Uh, like Robert Kraft, who not a writer, um, like they're just friends. You're kidding. And they came up with this story. He cast it with a bunch of his friends. And this is what happens when you let a movie star just 
run wild for no reason. <laughs> I think there was coke, coke involved. <laughs> Did the big guy in the car say, ask if he should rape them? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, we all stopped. We're like, ooh, ooh, what is that? I, I wound that so, a couple times. I missed that line. We have it's... closed captioning on because uh, my kids like to uh, read, read while watching. And uh, they're like, what? But he said, should I rape them? And what? Yeah, it okay, was uh, Butterfinger, one... right? Yeah, they're sitting yeah, in was, that little was... car uh, staking out uh, the place. Jesus. I remember the scene. I just. I just didn't catch what he said. Jesus. That makes yeah, and, no sense. No. Nope. Everybody was cool with it. They didn't like say, hey man, that's messed up. They're like, no, not this time. Kind of, you know, just, nah, no. They, they kind of just brush it off like this is normal. That's when they hand him the I green eggs and handbook to read. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember the scene. I just didn't catch that, what he said, because <laughs> I didn't have closed captioning on. All right, so I'll jump in here to give my initial thought, and uh, we will we will try to be fair uh, as we go through <laughs> for David. But I will sum it up with thinking that this movie is painfully unfunny. I don't think I laughed once. Uh, that's not to say that there aren't things in here that are like you know, like oh, that's kind of a cool idea, or I could see how you could build something around that. But on just a joke level, I was not having it. So that's where I was at. But I did think the Da Vinci stuff was a cool thing to hang the plot on, uh, even though I don't know that it was, like, super well uh, executed. But that's kind of where I'm at on it. I admit that it's not a good movie, but... No, I don't I don't want to ruin it for you. I'm just, I'm just no, 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 giving no. you my honest, you know, yeah. take. The quipping was fun, and... Um, he... The quipping was fun, and it was ridiculous and enjoyable for what it was. I thought for an R-rated movie, the jokes sure hit home like Nickelodeon. Yeah. I think it was only R-rated because it had a body count of 22. Okay. I've seen slashers with less people killed. Mm, they had they had more than one fuck, so in today's standards, yeah, it would have been R. And I didn't give one about that. Yeah, that wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't have been uh, wouldn't have been in place at the time. It was still everything's was still pretty. Although it is odd, yeah, that they wouldn't do like a PG thirteen. But yeah, that might have been language based. Uh, all right, so where do we want to go? What aspects would we like to dig into on Hudson Hawk? The sets were nice. Fair. Yeah. The uh, yeah the big the big Da Vinci set was cool. So they have a giant. Uh, so Da Vinci turns uh, lead into gold, um, and so we see that in flashbacks, and then we see it recreated in you know 1991, like a modern setting. Um, and it's this big, <clears throat> elaborate machine, and it actually looks a lot like a big machine in uh, the Dark Crystal. There's this big machine in the dark crystal. I can't remember what it does, but it shows like planets or something, and they're like turning. And it has looks like what you get the Elder Scroll from in Skyrim. All right, mm-hmm. nerd for sure. Actually, that's <laughs> a great. That is actually a really good description of it. So they we all liked it. the machine. <laughs> it was a great machine. Like so will we assume that was the flop? <laughs> Was that the Philosopher's Stone then, I'm assuming, as that right. is in lore, what changed lead to gold in alchemy? 
I don't know if they're using that part of it, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's the same basic idea. The uh, sets, like, they they filmed this movie in four countries, I believe, like Budapest, uh, Italy, the U.S., and Turkey, which, I think Turkey, which I, I'm amazed that they were given enough money to do international shoots for this movie, to do an entire Brooklyn Bridge scene where they shut off Brooklyn Bridge for that ridiculous, amazing uh, chase scene. I You have to remember I mean, the, Die Hard was a big success and Die Hard 2 was like in the works. It was coming out the same year, I think. Plus and, he had all his yeah. money from his Return of Bruno album sales. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie did kill TriStar Pictures, though. Mm. It, it, uh, Justifiably I, I, so. <laughs> yeah, they had to be uh, acquired after this. <laughs> was it Columbia, it was... right? Columbia TriStar? Yeah. 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 They took the flying horse behind the shed and shot it. <laughs> Clipped its wings. Watching the Pope watch Mr. Ed was fun. And then he hit it with his cane because he thought the TV was messing up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There are so many weird moments in this. I don't even know where to start. Like, um, Well, I, mean, I, I, have one the... place, I have one place right. to start, which is the beginning, which uh, is... <laughs> why the... Good place. Good place. Why the fuck is this movie being narrated by the stage manager from our town? That was my question. The, very this early in the like, movie, we get this. We get this like elaborate book that's like, and we're being told this tale. But it's like you know, it looks like something you know from like 1500s or whatever. It's meant made to look uh, ornate, kind of like the you know the biblical kind of shit stuff you see like Princess in Bride. My Life and the Holy Grail and whatever. Um, but yeah, so you, but then you get this guy's like. Oh, let me tell you the tale about Hudson Hawk now. And like, he just launches into this thing and then he wraps around at the end. We never learn who this guy is um, or why he's aware of any of this information. So the whole thing is almost told like it's a story or like it's a fairy tale. But that doesn't really fit the, the story that we actually watch. No, so I didn't understand why that was being used as a device. But I did find that that uh, narrator apparently is William Conrad, who was in a bunch of like movies and shows as a character actor and would often be a narrator. And I guess he was the narrator for uh, the original run of The Fugitive. Okay. And uh, he was also the narrator for Rocky and Bullwinkle. So uh, when he would talk about anything that's going on, you know, with Rocky and Bullwinkle. So that was an interesting little bit of trivia. Yeah, that was a weird choice that didn't make any sense, except the only thing I could think of was a couple movies did sort of like a storybook narration sort of thing, like Princess Bride and others that we've mentioned. It's just weird that that was the choice that they made on that. I mean, yes, it was weird, but I, I realize there's no way they could have done the exposition setup of the uh, of Leonardo da Vinci and all that at the beginning without explaining without explaining it a little bit. Yeah, uh, but you don't need to do the storybook narrator version of that. No, you don't. There's but like a hundred thousand ways you could do it w without using that. 
And you, you, so quit trying to justify that as the reason why they chose it. No, they were on drugs, David. They were way too, doing way too much cocaine. They're like, oh, oh, what if we have a book and we have a narrator, just like we've seen a lot of them? Come on. Don't give them more credit than that. <laughs> David's just here to defend his choices, to defend this film that he loves. Poorly. Poorly. We, we need to, we need to accept that. All right, so that's an early bit. Uh, what else do we have that popped out at us, good or bad? I, I I leave it to all of you. He picked the lock wrong. <laughs> that really bugged me. He puts two picks in it, and you're supposed to put one pick and a tension wrench. Yep. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Well, I was watching that, and he put the two picks in. I'm like, isn't that a deadbolt? Is he going to have the uh, leverage to... No, he's going to break a pick. Yeah, right? Well, he's just that good of a uh, cat burglar, then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is one aspect to talk about in the cat burglaring, which is that Hudson Hawk and his partner uh, have memorized hundreds of songs and and the length of time each song takes and they use these songs when they're being cat burglars they go into places you know normally you think of cat burglars they're like trying to get in and out do it quickly not make any noise they're literally like singing loudly to the top of their lungs <laughs> in yes. places and and they're singing like like broadway show tunes and shit um it's bizarre it's one of the more bizarre aspects of the movie like it's not neat i would argue it's there's no reason for it to be there i I would say people people could say like oh it's there to be funny but it's random and bizarre and yes there are things that are random and bizarre that that can be funny but it's like i would argue it works against their profession and it doesn't help them and i would also say it's not really funny to me as a viewer (laughs) I actually so. will probably be on David's side for this one. Okay, I all right. actually found myself defending it to my children. Like, oh, yeah. they're, they're keeping time. And it's right. What are the Zoomers are... saying these days, Nate? <laughs> <laughs> my, some of the music and, and, the, and the music and the, I mean, that is a good, an appropriate way to keep time is song and knowing the lengths of song. You can keep people to uh, synchronize on that. That's a legit thing. But Yes, I, I. It is weird, especially if you're cat burglars, uh, and and they did so many other things to hide themselves. Why would you jump in? And not only singing, they, they dance too. They were yeah. dancing to a lot of this. Well, and they're and they're in places. It'd be one thing if, like, let's say they were just robbing places where there's no one in there, but they they know they have an X amount of window before the alarm goes off. Okay, although wouldn't just a fucking stopwatch solve that too they did make that joke but but they did make that joke well you can tell me in a second because i was probably in and out a good deal on this uh but the (laughs) other thing is like the places where we see them breaking in though there are like guards and operatives and shit and so it's like if you're if you're singing and dancing around if you're singing they could easily hear you and if you're dancing around you could easily not see them you're going to be making more noise you're going to be there's more visuals happening 
I'm I'm adamant to it that uh, I am sticking to this point. You can misguide your children all you want, Nate, but <laughs> David. Um, okay, first of all, there is a line where Dan, um, where Tommy Five Tone, Danny Aiello's character, looks at uh, Hawking is just like, you know, they invented something while you were away. It's called a stopwatch. Um, and Hawk says something about how he likes doing it the old timey way. Um, I, I mean, the only thing I really remembered from, uh, this movie that, um, from 25 years ago was the swinging on a star scene and Sandra Bernhardt being amazing. So, um, I love, I, I still love that. It, it was such it, it's such a fun thing. I will say they left fingerprints everywhere as well. Like all of your criticisms oh, yeah. of their uh, cat burglaring while da- singing and dancing, completely valid in the real world. But also they're not wearing gloves. He's riding on a skateboard and then just leaves the skateboard that he has put his hands on. So not only is it fingerprints on things, they have just left things there for mm. for the uh, cops to find later. Um, I did really, really enjoy, though, uh, when he first shows up, like when they get over to Tommy Five Tone's place and Tommy puts the uh, thumb cuffs on, on uh, Hudson Hawk. I enjoyed that scene because while they're just talking, they're dropping like, in the phrases they're saying, they happen to be um, saying different song titles, but as dialogue and Bruce Willis is naming off the uh, time for the song every time. Yeah. And throughout the movie, he does that. He's captured by uh, he's captured by the bad guys and um, the, by the Mayflowers. And while they're talking at him, They'll say something and he'll just mutter the uh, time signature for whatever song uh, title that they that they happen to say. And I thought that was a good character moment. It was quirky. Um, I, I, I like that. Yeah, it yeah just show how intelligent he was, that sort of thing. But yeah, like I thought that was that worked well. Yeah. Hyper intelligent in one completely inconsequential way. Yes, I thought it worked well, though. I, I, I agree. I thought that was kind of fun. Um, but again, you said something that made no sense to me, which was Santa Bernhardt was amazing, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I question that. If you put that in with any of your arguments, I question your entire argument, David. Well, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I mentioned the Mario Brothers up top. So there is a reference to uh, there's a, a mob you know, mob family. So they are the Mario brothers that uh, Hudson Hawk is like crossing paths with early in the movie. And so this movie came out in 91. So that's definitely a reference to, if, if it's not a reference to the actual Mario brothers from the game, then they just like stumbled into it stupidly. But I'm almost positive because they do reference Nintendo. Later yes. On several I was, times. I was going to say they so. have, it, it definitely was because they, yeah. they you can't the original set game that up and not say like that. what? 1980 82 or something like the arcade game uh, oh. i think is somewhere in that you know well before like the actual nintendos were coming out 
Um, so, I mean, Mario Brothers had been a thing for a good while. Uh, okay. Um, we get a Mona Lisa joke early on of, like, Da Vinci's painted the whole Mona Lisa, but he can't figure out the mouth because the Mona Lisa has a real has real ugly teeth. Waka waka. There was a lot of that, jokes. too. Yeah, bad teeth jokes. There was a lot of teeth jokes, bad teeth jokes. I don't, another thing that was like, what? That's a, that's a running gag? Why? It, it, Linton, because yeah, right, because immediately after that there was a there was an immediate one, and then the missing tooth on on Butterfingers. Just they did a lot of. I don't know why you would pick that to be a running joke. A lot of bad choices were made. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. I'm not going to defend that. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's here's a question though. All right. I, I got I got lost on who was who to be honest. I mean, because I I had no, I only watched this once, you know, parts of it years Willis ago. Willis is Hudson Hawk, and it 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 wasn't <laughs> engaging. Um, but yeah, so David, you said like James Coburn is the CIA, and the NA has all these operatives who don't really act like they're in the CIA. Like they act like they're like you know space militia. Or something like they they dress weird, they act weird, but it's like all right. So there's that group. You've got um, and are, are they working with the husband wife team a little bit? But they're yes, and they, but they're backstabbing each other at times. Okay, and so the husband and wife team are kind of our primary villains. But then Minerva and Darwin uh, Mayflower. How could you not remember sure, Darwin? Yeah. Well, the Mario Brothers thing gets brought up in the beginning, and was it, uh, Hudson Hawk owes money or some shit, but they just totally disappear, right? No, they like, got they never come. They get killed by Alfred the Butler uh, to Darwin and uh, Minerva. Okay. Well, the the one that threw me off the most was all right. It might maybe it's when they get killed. Somebody comes in and kills. Someone comes in and kills. It must be the the Mario Brothers or whatever. Yeah. They come in and they and Bruce Willis is there, right? And they just let Bruce Willis live. Yes. And I didn't understand why they let him see them murder somebody and then just walked away. They needed him to steal the uh, next two pieces. Right. Okay. But there was the butler who killed them, mm-hmm. right? But why? Didn't they just like abduct Bruce Willis right then and there or, or explain, here's why we need you. Why did it like take like four more scenes to get there? Because like they leave because they needed a way to introduce the CIA uh, candy bar. Okay. Thing. I just, I, I genuinely was lost at that. Cause I didn't know who the Butler was in relation to anything else. I thought it was just, Oh, it's just some evil British guy. And then he like murders people in front of Bruce Willis and leaves him as a witness and walks away. And it was like, what, what, why, what? So I guess what you're, yeah, I guess what you're saying is that ultimately they needed him for the other things, but they don't reveal that, which is weird. They don't reveal it for it's barely an hour and a half long. <laughs> yeah, there, I, there was like, there was like this. It was. I mean, everybody knew the British dude too, even the Mario Brothers. No, the, so the the British dude. Okay. The Mayflowers are the masterminds. The British dude is the one... uh, I got that the British dude is the guy who hired the Mario brothers, 
who hired Hudson Hawk's uh, parole officer. Uh, who not convoluted at all, folks? No, it's convoluted. Um, so your kids guy, with- yeah, your kids caught all this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got it. They got it. They, 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 they've got they've got those elastic brains. They're still young. They catch on to things faster <laughs> than us old folk. Fair enough. Yeah, but no, I yeah, that was very convoluted and didn't make sense why they had to go that crazy they did so they did try to go with a weird mystery of it all like i mean it's a madcap uh it's it's a madcap movie so it's got to be ridiculous but they they did try to because at first you think the butler's the bad guy then you find out about darwin and minerva and uh then you find out about or the cia who may or may not be working with the Vatican, but then they double cross the Vatican and they're really working with Darwin and Minerva, not the Vatican. And, and then yes. Darwin and Minerva double cross them. It's, it's, it's a lot. It, I agree. I have other questions <laughs> and maybe we can find answers to some of these. Uh, a simple one, possibly simple. Why is that henchman disguised as a statue? So uh, David Caruso was just randomly like dressed up like he's like silver body paint or, or like marble looking body paint or something and is a statue and then uh, suddenly moves at some point when we're in a scene. Um, I didn't know why other than just zaniness. Was that that was Kit Kat, right? Yeah, yeah it was Kit Kat. Yeah. So Kit Kat is a master of disguise if you hadn't realized in many but scenes he's, but he's, where he also was Andy McDowell where well, he dressed up as Andy McDowell I didn't catch that but and they you were... don't remember when she was wearing the red dress with her standing next to her with her hair and everything he looked very good so you might not have I realized watched it this, was him I watched this about a week ago and to be honest I've tried to remove as much from my brain about it as possible the I scene... mean he looked pretty good as a woman he he was very he was he's a no very Sandra good Bernhard, but... no, he's but... no Sandra Bernhard she's does it for me this the uh the scene before that too when uh they're in the uh italian square and it's revealed that oh yeah tommy aiello's character is also kind of sort of in on this plot but um everybody yeah everybody after uh after the rest of the cia guys uh like almond joy and butterfinger and um snickers all go away um you know those normal character names. Yeah. So oh, it was chlamydia before Almond Joy, though. It was, but um, <laughs> Bruce Willis is standing there, uh, makes a little quip to himself uh, about what's going on, and directly behind him is uh, Kit Kat, dressed exactly like him, blue shirt, vest, uh, just mimicking everything he's doing until he uh, elbows Kit Kat in the face um, before, like, without looking at him. You know, in a cool guy move, but yeah, like Nate and, said, and, and Kit Kat's like, stuff. yeah, I deserve that. Yeah, but he's in the villain's own lair, though, so he shouldn't 
have to be doing that. No one, there's no hero in there. They're not fighting anybody. There, there's Can no... I just say, if I were a master of disguise, I would be dressing as many things in any in many ways for no reason at all. You're gonna work but in I'm craft. I thought that would be a simple one, and it took us about four minutes to get to a place where we don't know. So I'll move on to a, some B, others. D. Always um, be disguising. <laughs> All right. Uh, I had an issue with the villain's plan being to crash the global economy. I didn't think that made sense. Oh, it doesn't. Because basically what they what they want to do is they want to turn lead into gold. And normally when that, that concept is presented historically with the Philosopher's Stone stuff or in any other context, it's like, oh, I'll get fucking rich. I'll become the richest person in the world which they're already rich, but it would make sense. Sure, okay, become Elon Musk or whatever shit. Um, but no, they want to flood the global market with gold to destroy the economy. Why, though? So yeah, I don't know like why it would make sense, why they would want to crash the global economy, because if they're already rich, they don't want to lose that status. They have the ability to become increasingly more rich um, by having as much gold at their disposal as they want also like crashing the global economy would just mean like oh the whole world's fucked so if you're rich you can't like go out and have fun and do rich shit so and they were not like freedom fighters it would make sense to me if they were like anarchists or something where it's just like we got to tear the system down but they weren't so i did not understand their motivation for why they wanted to do that do any of you gentlemen understand the central plot of this movie (laughs) Uh, Dar- Darwin actually said something earlier, uh, later on in the movie, and he goes, I don't care. Uh, he was basically having having a little monologue and in, in pontificating, saying he didn't care about money because he's already made a billion dollars at 19. He only cares about chaos. So he wants chaos. So his only motivation to do this is because he loves chaos now. Because it does, money doesn't matter to him anymore because he, ha- he has so much of it, it doesn't matter. But he won't have money so. if he crashes the global economy, though. Right. But he still has he's you know I mean but I he don't still buy, has, he I just likes chaos. But I don't buy that from that character. I buy it from the Joker in yeah. The Dark Knight because the Joker oh. is not living a life of like posh luxury. This guy is. So if they presented this guy as like someone who had like forsaken his wealth, okay. But they aren't presenting them like that. He has a line after that where he he's they're describing. Um, all the markets crashing. Uh, it, I think it's a scene where Sandra Bernhardt's like, and all the markets will crash, crash. And all, all the people will drown, drown in their tears, tears. And Bruce Willis is just like, except for yours, yours. Uh, and they're like, yes. Like they kind of somehow, they start to say how everything will crash and they'll be the only ones who will still be in power, but they never explain how or why, because it was too important to have another quippy moment than to actually explain right. their plan. Oh, I, I caught that part, but that doesn't make sense because you, you can't crash the economy and be like, I have all the money because like, that doesn't matter if like no one else can do anything. If like, like, like you, you are dependent on the rest of the world too. If you're rich, yeah. Well, they imply that they have all the money. They're going to crash the market on purpose. They can take all the water, like just stockpile water and food, and and they'll have anything they need and can give that out. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. 
but I mean, they could easily just buy all supplies that you would need to live and then but, use that as currency. But what, I, what I'm talking about, though, is if you literally crash the global economy, that money doesn't have value anymore. That's no, 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 yeah. no. So you stock up they, before. They, they establish that paper money has no value, but they will have all the gold. It it doesn't make sense. It's yes. it's absurdist. It's all right. It, it yeah. We agree on that. Then uh, uh, a small thing based on you know like how a lot of these types of movies go, but they do an elaborate thing to try to kill Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello, where they like shoot them with darts, and then they're going to like set off a bomb in their apartment for some Plunger reason. Bombs. And I didn't know why they needed all the bullshit and why they didn't just shoot them in the head. Uh, I know it's a zany comedy, but it was a weird choice, (laughs) especially for these characters who are CIA. Well, one of the CIA agents could barely read. (laughs) You're not helping your own case, David. (laughs) I was disappointed that Willis wears his pants high above his navel. <laughs> As was the style at the time. <laughs> High waisted uh, pants. All right, one last question. We can go on to something else. We can talk about David's Sandra Bernhardt fantasies. Um, so I didn't understand why Hudson Hawk can put together the star thing or why they're <laughs> trusting him to. Because, so, okay, so if you haven't seen this movie, congrats. But basically, Da Vinci makes this. Da Vinci makes this machine. He's trying to turn lead into uh, bronze, and because he's such an amazing master of science and alchemy and the dark arts or whatever, oh, I just stumbled into making it, turning it into gold. Okay, um, and so he has some kind of like weird star-shaped thing. I mean, it has extra prongs and things, but that's like the like center of the machine. What's that? It looks like an everlasting gab stopper. Yeah, it does. And so he's got that at the center of the machine. It's broken up. They need to get the pieces and put them back together. Um, and so the the villains have been getting Hudson Hawk to, to get the pieces. And then they want him to compile it. But he has no expertise in this shit. He doesn't know how any of this stuff works. He's not an expert in this stuff. And Andy McDowell is an expert in this shit we've been told that she's like a religious expert on da vinci and whatever and they don't entrust her to do it and the only reason i can think of it is just because it's 1991 it's like well bruce willis is our hero he's the man he's the one who's got to do it because he's the good guy like we can't have this woman doing it like there's no reason she's the fucking expert on it she should be compiling it and so then bruce willis leaves a part out and it doesn't work and it's instead changes it to bronze and then it blows up the machine and shit. So one, my one question first was why other than weird Hollywood sexism, why internally in the movie, they are entrusting Hudson Hawk to do this when he has no reason. They have no reason to believe he would know what the fuck to do with it. And then my smaller question is he steals a little part of it, which all right, cool, clever enough moment for him or whatever. But earlier in the movie, there's like stuff laying around and he takes some other part. And I thought that was going to be something that played a role. Like he stole some component, but that didn't do anything, right? That wasn't a part of it. That was um, the result of a failed experiment with it. It's a throwaway line. 
Well, but why is he even taking something then? Uh, to take something and to have. But when for me, he as an audience it... member, that doesn't make sense. If your villain, if your hero is taking something and he's a cat burglar, you're thinking, oh, there's a plot reason for this. The plot reason is he shows it to uh, Andy McDowell's uh, nun character, and she gives a little bit of exposition. Okay. That's it. All right. That's okay. It's... Fair. Fair enough. Uh, so the other thing, though, why are they entrusting Hudson Hawk to compile this stuff? Because he's good. Would, at wouldn't Richard E. Grant and the other one don't they at least have some basis on how this machine goes together? Wouldn't they be more like better suited than Hudson Hawk would be? They say that it's taken. They've been working on it uh, all day and haven't figured out how to put it together. Which it's three pieces. It's three pieces, and yes. he puts it together like that. But um, he's good at things. He figured out the thumb cuffs, and he's a man. He's supposed and to be a genius. He I does... think that it's just more things to say. He's a genius. Yeah, he walked into the uh, Vatican and took one look around and figured out how to rob it, despite all the. Uh, all of the ridiculous uh, cartoonish traps to uh, stop him. He, uh, yeah, it's just another, oh, he's so smart at doing things that he can look at a room and figure out how to rob it, and he can get out of thumb cuffs real quick, and he can put this thing together, because why not? He's Bruce Willis, and he wrote himself this character. Because they, uh, they doc-savaged him. You can MacGyver a whole entire yeah. scenario with dish soap, olive oil, softball. That entire... Yes, it... How would the mirrors work with the lasers? I thought those lasers had like a sensor or they started here and had a sensor on the other side of the room. And if you interrupted that laser, that's what would cause... But having two mirrors on either side, wouldn't that still interrupt the laser? No, it reflects it back like a continuous beam. If only one side has has the uh, sensor to detect the laser from the other side, it's not necessary. The lasers aren't coming out from both end, like sensor and uh, emitter, are they? Hey, look, Tommy Dude. goes off a cliff and explodes and then just magically comes back at the end. <laughs> and... Love- and- Cooking spray won't show lasers, dude. That doesn't work that way either. Are we really getting into this? <laughs> also, uh, jet fuel won't melt steel beams. At least that's what Nate told me before the episode started. Yes. <laughs> and and we've outed Nate as a 9-11 truther. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nate. You set me up for that too well, so I had to. That's fair. Uh... That's fair. Just for the um, record, in case I ever try to run for office, I am not a 9-11 truther. Thank okay. you. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. The guy who played Butterfinger played Christopher Walken's son in Batman Returns and Leatherface in the remake. Oh. Platinum Dunes. All right. He's a real he's athlete. Way, he's way bigger in this than he was in Batman Returns, I think. He was wearing a suit. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Because I thought that guy looked familiar, and I couldn't you place him. You have to him. go through me first. Yeah, what is he? He Chet or something? Chip. In... Chip? Chip, yeah. He... The the bravery of that actor to straight up do a Christopher Walken impression 
to Christopher Walken's face throughout Batman Returns is fantastic. Um, so what did we all think about Richard E. Grant's extended thrusting scene? Uh, specifically, <laughs> Nate, your children? How do they fare with that one? They were like, w- why is he doing this? This is gross. Gratuitous. Well, they were thinking the same thing I was. <laughs> Well, they were more disturbed by the other joke that did not age well, which is the whole Catholic Church side, I think, pervy priest. Um, That doesn't age well anymore because it it got real weird about, oh, how how into her sex life that that priest got. And then, uh, yeah, my kids were like, this just seems a bit weird with the the Catholic Church. But I mean, I I, the priest. Wait. The priest wasn't interested in Andy McDowell's sex life. He was uh, making sure that she was staying true to her vows because she was secretly a nun. Although I will say I... when she she mentions that he she kissed uh, Bruce Willis and the priest is uh, the priest who's played by creepy German guy from Monster Squad. Monster Squad. Um, but she uh, went. Um, he only gives her 17 Hail Marys um, as penance for kissing a guy. Like, and she explains she's undercover and all that, but still for bending her vows. And I'm like, I've gotten 17 Hail Marys for a lot less than nearly breaking um, uh, vows of chastity. That's like, a football thing, right? What? That's a football thing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Hail Mary. She had to run 17 Hail Mary play. I don't know what it, that means in football. Actually. I don't either. I don't know what ball sports is. Yeah. So, Devine, my, what, my... Did you, what did you have to do when you broke your bow of chastity then? Um, I, I, uh, it was a lot of our fathers, a lot of Hail Marys, and uh, some community service. Okay. Nice, nice. And guilt. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it says more about me, but I definitely read his, what you would call concern for her chastity as, oh, oh, oh I, I like this girl. I don't like hearing her with other people. Is that's kind of how I took it that that kind of pervy, creepy way. I, but that I don't does know. say Maybe a lot around. about you. That's just <laughs> that was literally just a cardinal. He wasn't a priest. Sorry, he had cardinal robes on. That was just someone's a... getting defensive. <laughs> that was definitely. Let's just all a be cardinal. fair to the Catholic Church, everyone. <laughs> what have they Church... ever done wrong? The Catholic Church has definitely <laughs> done plenty wrong, but that in this moment in this movie, that was not him being pervy. That was him uh, not liking the lengths that his secret super spy nun had, was uh, willing to go. But then by the end, she's just going to fuck Bruce Willis anyway, right? Apparently. Like, they... they All of a sudden, at the end, she's just like, yeah, fuck these vows. But doesn't even say it. It's just... Okay. Um, I did really enjoy, though, uh, with the whole Vatican spy stuff, that the crosses would light up and have a speaker <laughs> in them. Mm-hmm. For the... Or the Catholic spiring. <laughs> yes, it was ridiculous. So, uh, a few production notes on this. Uh, so, Bruce Willis received a story by credit, which we already mentioned, and it was his, his only attempt at screenwriting, surprisingly <laughs> enough. 
apparently there were frequent onset script rewrites as a result of Bruce Willis throwing ideas around. So that might be explaining <laughs> a lot of what we're mm-hmm. seeing and discussing now. Like, why is this scene like this? Why is this character act like this? Because it's probably Bruce Willis is sitting on set one day and like, I don't know. I think the dog should give me a hand job right now. I don't know what you guys think. <laughs> the dog has a name. Buster? Bunny. Um, yeah. and then, Bunny Mayflower. <laughs> one thing that does put the film into a little bit of a context to make it somewhat make sense is that uh, it was intended to be an homage to the Crosby and Hope road comedies of the 40s and 50s. Uh, movies that I've never particularly enjoyed, but they were popular back in the day. And so if you've never seen any of them, it's they're basically just like buddy comedies. So you had two comedians. Um, I mean, Crosby wasn't really known as a comedian, but he could make jokes. Um, but they would also sing and they would be going to some foreign location and then they'd be getting into scrapes and falling in love with local ladies or whatever and saving the day. And they were, you know pretty easy stuff and yes ryan i was getting to that and so yes this movie came comes on the heels of ishtar which was from 1987 (laughs) which was also trying to uh ape those crosby and hope road comedies and ishtar was a notorious failure and box office bomb and so four years later bruce willis says you know it'd be a real good idea another movie like ishtar we're gonna see how that works I looked at the story of how like Bruce Willis and Robert Kraft came together to do this story because Kraft is a composer. He's okay. a songwriter and movie composer. He doesn't... I, I think this is his only story credit too. And it, it, it mentioned that like Kraft was with his band at a... Uh, playing a show uh, at a bar and all of a sudden someone in the audience starts playing along with them with a harmonica, like someone <laughs> they do not know and they stop and it's Bruce. And that Willis. man was Bob Dylan. <laughs> what? No, it would be horrible. as bit Dylan. God, I hate Dylan. Oh, fuck you. I am not going to stand here and listen to you trash Bob Dylan while defending Hudson Hawk. No, that is not happening. You do realize that in the in this world now that David puts Sandra Bernhardt over Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's a fine he's a fine songwriter. His voice is the worst thing ever put to tape. Uh, but... <laughs> I, I I have said this to you before, and I will say it on this fucking podcast. I will say, you listen to bands that screech their lyrics. You cannot make that claim. <laughs> you love punk junk from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Some of it, obviously, there's punk that's great, but you love stuff that, like, you want to talk about terrible voices. <laughs> he loves but, uh... the Hudson Hawks of the punk world. That's the real deal here. That's that's what he likes, the yeah. Hudson Hawk versions. But all uh, right, let's 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 the, lay the, off David. All right, so Bruce Bruce Willis was playing the harmonica in the audience. Yeah, and then uh they became friends after that, and I guess uh Kraft had written a song called Hudson Hawk. And um when he told Willis like his story behind the inspiration for that song, Willis was like, "Let's make a movie." based yeah, on that song name come on buddy so, like and, and then danny aiello is only in it because him and bruce willis like had met before and we're like we should do a movie together and they were friends 
Like yeah. this, yeah. So it sounds like how this movie came together. Yeah. yeah. So this movie That's only it. happened because Bruce Willis decided to just do a blues traveler one night. He's just sitting in a bar <laughs> and just randomly is like, "Oh, I'll play along. I'll do an extended Bruno. little harmonica solo here." Yeah. And the rest is Hollywood history. I like when they killed a dog. <laughs> yes, is, that was good. Animal abuse is not funny, but simulated animal abuse is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Bruce yeah, that dog. Great. Go, no, yeah, go ahead. He straight up murders that dog. Yep. Granted, the dog all of a sudden became a bloodthirsty, like go for the throat, like tiny dog, but was somehow like the ra- like the rabbit on holy grail that was kind of the joke they ran with it it felt like he takes a sweet ass time shooting the cannonball gun at it while just like ripping uh, her throat out yes it's yeah i mean they did just kill the dog's parents (laughs) or owners it's a mercy killing is what david is saying no no i'm saying that that explains why the dog became so uh vicious Ah, i don't think the dog had time to process their deaths (laughs) <laughs> oh you're right really he, he was still in the first stage of grief david you should have been there for him <laughs> no 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 david no. would have been if he could have been uh mostly because sandra bernhardt was there but I, uh I, to I continue was... that that idea um so i was reading some trivia on this movie and uh so i guess in earlier versions of the screenplay or you know fever dream ramblings of bruce willis or whatever they were um you know at some form at some point uh they had talked about a different idea for the villains and so i think it would have been like a richard e grant or whoever they would have ultimately gotten and then there was going to be another woman but i don't think she was going to be they were going to be married or richard e grant was going to be married to an older woman or possibly that woman would have been his mother but they were thinking of an older I think it was going to be a reveal that there was going to be like a second villain and it was going to be this, this older woman character. Um, and then that got reconfigured into them becoming a married couple. And that's when Sandra Bernhard came in. But the interesting wrinkle of trivia is before they ended up going with that, their original idea was, Oh, we'll have this reveal that there's this other villain and it's a lady. Um, and they wanted Audrey fucking Hepburn in this train wreck of a movie america's darling audrey hepburn who also i'll note like i mean she was amazing when she was younger and everything i mean she she stopped kind of acting in her later years but like she was never known as like a full-on comedic actress she could be kind of funny in some stuff um but i don't see why she would necessarily be your go-to of like oh she's got these great comedic chops or whatever so that's a little bizarre and then she hadn't been acting regularly. I think the last movie she did was Always. Spielberg's Always. She has a small part in that. But even leading up to that, she hadn't been. And that was like 87. But she hadn't been in much. Anyway, they wanted Audrey Hepburn. She rightfully didn't want to do it. And so then they were still like, oh, we should still do a lady villain. And that's when they uh, decided on the married couple thing. And so they went from Audrey Hepburn to Sandra Bernhardt. That was the journey. Uh, um, I fear what it would have done to Audrey. It might have killed Audrey Hepburn <laughs> if she did that. I mean, it. 
I think, I mean, she has a great career, but this would have been like maybe erasing everything she did before this. Could you she would have been in this? Felicity? See the film that killed Audrey Hepper. <laughs> right. Cuts and hock. Rated R. Oh, God. <laughs> go so ahead, Debbie. This is your Nintendo baby. Oh. oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. So at the end, he just magically knows what a Nintendo is. Because the first liner is like, what the fuck's a Nintendo? And then he's like, will you play Nintendo with me? He had that time to play Nintendo. He He got... I, he probably, uh, I'm guessing he got the understanding that it was some sort of game. Okay. Like, yeah. Uh, I doubt <laughs> he knows, I doubt he knows what it is. I like He's, that Ryan's so uninvested in this movie that he'll take any explanation given. Just like, and sure, I lo- all right. <laughs> I love that David's so invested that it, he gives the, the terrible, terrible, terrible explanations. I Go will. Ahead. I will try my best to no prize every part of this, every question about this. Oh, <laughs> Audrey fucking Hepburn. I can't even imagine. Who, oh. Who thinks of a part that was made for Audrey Hepburn and then goes, no, no, since we can't have her, let's get Sandra Bernhardt. Oh, don't don't and be trying to rewrite write history now. Don't you, be acting like you. you're on our side with that. No, 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 no. You were the I, person that would do that. <laughs> what are you I, even I, saying? I, but like, how did they get so Sandra Bernhardt from Audrey Hepburn, and then rewriting it for her? I don't understand that. Well, I don't even know process. if they wrote it. Am, you know what I mean? Like, this could have literally no. just been like concepts there. and if the script was even finalized i mean it sounds like they were changing a bunch of stuff all the time anyway i i mean i'm happy that they did the ghost of may west was busy. i'm obviously very pleased that they did because you know yes the burn heart of it all all right I, well anything she, else she's hilarious she is hilarious in so much of what she's done uh it's, her 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 solo special without you I'm nothing. She was on uh Roseanne Roseanne shortly after this. Um David is consulting notes specific yes, to Sandra Bernhardt, right? He is staring I, down and... at his crotch. I hope he has a notepad and it's not written on his skin. <laughs> I have a note this is the notepad. Uh this is how much your bullshit with Sandra Bullock. You're reading notes about what she's been in as if you knew it. None of these people can see you doing this except for us. <laughs> you pull I, back I, the I'm... curtain, uh, Mr. Oz. I have yeah, four <laughs> pages of notes that I took while uh, watching this, um, including uh, just favorite lines like James Coburn saying calling his uh, team the MTVIA, which is a horrible line, and I giggled oh so much at it. Oh, God. <laughs> it was such a that bad so line. Bad. And I, I couldn't help but giggle. That was such a stupid joke, too. It was really bad. <laughs> uh, and how angry the Italian waiter got when uh, Bruce Willis asked for ketchup. With Duke Cause. Like champagne. <laughs> uh, All right. If, uh, if I was that waiter, I'd be pissed too. 
Anything else we would like to say about the major motion picture Hudson Hawk before we wrap up? Can't wait for the remake. <laughs> I, you do love remakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I hear they're your favorites. All right, uh, I'll, we, we can wrap it all together here. Uh, would you recommend Hudson Hawk? No. Anything's fine when you're stoned. <laughs> I literally recommended it for this podcast. <laughs> it's true, he did. This is very much a movie that uh, I am glad that I revisited 20 five plus years later oh that hurts me in the old age but uh you look great oh thank you even with the covid weight oh oh buddy um i guess but, we should leave linton <laughs> <laughs> but no i i uh even though this was my idea and even though i thoroughly enjoyed the movie um I had thought about having like watching it with a friend and uh, like inviting them over to watch a movie. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to uh, subject even my bad movie friends. Like I'm not going to have someone over for dinner in a movie and make the movie this. <laughs> Nate. Um, that's a big old no. Um, the sad thing after David just said that is what I do realize is not only did my children watch this, but my oldest child's new boyfriend watched this with us <laughs> <laughs> his second time visiting. So that oh, was what we subjected somebody to. That is what we subjected somebody to David. We invited somebody <laughs> over then watched this travesty. Thank you. But. I, I don't know who that's a test for. Maybe, he, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I mean, he could, they could, it's a test for me. Like if he stays with her after watching that movie, I don't know if that says much about his judgment. So, <laughs> and I just, love my children. So, did you just insult your daughter? <laughs> I did, but I wanted to throw in there. I love my daughter. And your She's wife great. earlier. So yeah. anyone else you want to check off the list? Your father-in-law, maybe? Or... The other kids? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have any significant others over. We're good. Oh, you mean your eight-year-old didn't have her significant <laughs> other over? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Ryan, uh, closing thoughts. Would you recommend Hudson Hawk? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> the, the songs are so well done. I've been, I've been humming, uh, swinging on a star to myself for the last three days. <sighs> All right. Anything to add, Ryan? Check out the return of Bruno. <laughs> Isn't there something else where they did something with Bruno? Is there a cartoon? Yeah, you don't talk about Bruno. Right? <laughs> Encanto. Enchanto. Something. Encanto. 
Oh, yeah. it is a good movie. Yeah, much better than Hudson Hawk. <laughs> and very accurate to the uh, Colombian culture, according to my mother. Hudson Hawk. Yeah, the the Return yeah. of Bruno is an album. Ryan has referred to this several times. So it's an album by Bruce Willis where he sang and it was kind of notorious, like it was a, a Chris Gaines esque thing, like Garth Brooks uh, did. But apparently there is an actual film version on HBO. What? Yeah. So it says uh, it is to the album. It is a companion piece to an HBO special of the same name, which aired shortly after the album's release. So there is an HBO special where he's like, I'm guessing it's some sort of behind. It says it's a mockumentary. So it's like acting like Bruno is real. And it has all these star, you know, like. Wolfman Jack, Michael J. Fox, Elton John, Ringo Starr, like all these people, tons of people listed who must have been like interviewed in the fake thing. So I'm sure, David, you're going to have to find this. I, um, I am. <laughs> yes. Uh, but no, there's something, I think it's like Bruno the Kid. Yeah, there was a show called Bruno the Kid, a syndicated cartoon series created by Bruce Willis and produced <laughs> by Film Roman. Um, and that was 96 to 97. They made 36 episodes. And so I don't know why I forgot they that gave him the existed. name of Bruno. I don't know if he's supposed to be connected to the song character or if the musician character or if Bruce Willis just weirdly likes the name Bruno. <laughs> I don't I know. I think that is his musical alter ego, like you were saying, Chris Gaines. I think that's kind of what yeah. he does. Speaking of which, Nate, you've got some Chris Gaines alter ego hair going right That is exactly why I did that. (laughs) My hair's growing out long, so I became Chris Gaines real quick. All right. So. Um, Okay, so uh, for my – you have something to add, David, before wrapping up here? No, I'm just – I pulled up Bruno the Kid, and I'm staring at this image, and I don't understand why this show exists or what it is or how it connects. Yes. But it's got Tim Curry and Mark Hamill in the class, so... All right. Okay, well, so for myself, I would not recommend Hudson Hawk. Uh, I've said on the show before, I usually tend to recommend things, not like I don't feel compelled to, but a lot of times it's stuff that I really like that we're doing for the show, or it's something that's, like, super bad and weird and it's worth checking out for its bizarre qualities. I I mean, going to David's point of, like, he didn't want to subject this to his bad movie friends. And that's where I think the line is on this. I don't think it is a bad movie in the way, like, The Room or Birdemic or a lot of those other kind of things are where it's, like, funny bad and you're laughing at it. I think it's just, like, a – for me personally, I think it's just a badly made movie, which is a different kind of thing. It's just, like, an unsatisfying thing to watch, especially a comedy because it's really I, I don't know how many comedies there are on that list like those lists of like famous bad movies because usually if a comedy is unfunny you're not going to be laughing at it you don't want to laugh at it because you're like kind of rewarding it um and, and it's weird because if they're missing comedic beats that they're trying to hit it's rare that they would be hitting things that would make you laugh in another way so it's like i don't think there are a whole lot of like comedies usually on that list um although this is has been known as like to, i mean it was a bigger deal 30 years ago it was seen as like a big flop then um but it has been known as like a bad movie for a long time but but yeah for me that's that's kind of dividing line it's like i can't really sit here and laugh at it and i'm not laughing with it 
and even if there might be a couple cool ideas here or there, I'm personally not really enjoying it. But David loves it. And so, and we all love David, so we will let I, him have this. It did. It didn't just win Razzie for best, worst picture in '91. It won the Razzie for the worst movie of the decade in 2000. Oh. Okay, <laughs> it, all right. Um, There's it, a lot of '90s crap too. Yeah, did like uh, Son of the Mask. Back, uh. Well, if you're talking about movies that came out in the 90s that would be among the worst, um, what's the what's the L. Ron Hubbard one? That was like 98 Battlefield or Earth. Battlefield Earth. Battlefield Earth. So how did this beat Battlefield Earth? It's not worse than Battlefield Earth, I don't think. I haven't seen I, Battlefield Earth. I, I will I admit that I would have like rather I... watched Battlefield Earth. I could well, laugh at Battlefield Earth easier, though. Space formats? I... The I will, I will admit that uh, I may be looking at this movie through the lens of uh, of nostalgia. Yeah, <laughs> so, probably. Um, yeah. But David's uh, beer goggles for Sandra Bernhard. That this movie is still, uh, you know, it, it it's like a fine cappuccino. <laughs> That is a reference to an ongoing bit in the movie that was not worth discussing. (laughs) I I did actually like the ending on a freeze frame. Yeah. That might have been the only thing, like, at least that made the joke semi like, oh, cappuccino. I actually kind of was okay with that. I also like how they, they... Uh, lampshaded the Tommy Aiello's character living at that moment. He shows up and it's like, how are you alive? Uh, sprinkler. Would would you believe sprinkler system in the car? We saw you blow up. Airbags? Sure, that's what happened. <laughs> and Bruce Willis is like, I'll believe it. Drinks cappuccino. Tosses it. Even the movie at that point I, I it went... This is dumb. Makes no sense. Fuck it. Is that an hour and 29 minutes? Print. <laughs> I, I will say one thing that did pop into my mind is that it did remind me while watching it at times to the very first movie we ever did for this podcast, which is Leonard Part 6, <laughs> which is another high concept. That was a spy movie parody, whereas this could be like a parody of caper movies, you could claim. But it definitely has like spy elements in it. Um, and pl- pulls certainly from like James Bond and stuff. And uh, James Coburn being in it ties to our man Flint and in like Flint when he was a Bond type character. They reuse like a sound effect from that movie that's also an Austin Powers movie that pops up in this. So there's definitely some spy stuff that done that thing. Um, but yeah, so it, it was reminding me some of uh, of Leonard Part Six, which is a notoriously bad Bill Cosby movie. Um, you know, compared to the notoriously bad Bill Cosby Life that we're all very familiar with. Uh, but yeah, we, we watched that for our very first movie ever, and now on our 101st movie, uh, we are right back in there, right back in the muck with Hudson Hawk. They can't all be ghost dead. <laughs> <laughs> 
And on that note, uh, can I find this? So if you would like to check out Hudson Hawk, it is everywhere. Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, Apple TV, Redbox, Microsoft, and others. It is on DVD and it is on Blu-ray. There are great films that have yet to be released on Blu-ray, but they knew that the people demanded Hudson Hawk, so uh, it's out there. And I think it even had a fucking special edition Blu-ray, is what it said. So uh, I found my copy in a public bathroom. <laughs> Wait, but it hasn't been put out in special edition 4K, because I will buy a new TV for the 4K of this. Okay. David is a, is a strangely dedicated man. Uh, okay, so yeah, so that's out there. If you want to watch Hudson Hawk, it is available. Uh, 1991's Hudson Hawk with uh, with Bruce Willis at the forefront. All right, so that wraps us up on this. Uh, we are going to be changing gears and going into something quite different. Um, we are looking at uh, a recent movie, a very recent, I mean, still literally in some theaters, um, and it is currently on Netflix. It uh, it has blown up in popularity, so when I announce what it's going to be, you might be like, oh, that's odd. Why would you pick that one? Because don't you normally do lesser-known movies? And yes, uh, outside of our you know few exceptions per year. But uh, in our information, we don't just do like lesser known movies. We do like things that are like bizarre and kind of out there. And so we are going to be looking at RRR, which definitely is bizarre and out there. And so it qualifies for uh, what we're looking at. And it's also an Indian film and American audiences don't, you know, watch a lot of those anyway. And so had it not blown up, most people wouldn't have been aware of it. And still a lot of people likely aren't. Uh, but yeah, so we are looking at RRR, which uh, I just finished watching here today, and uh, we've got a whole new crew on it, so we'll be looking at that coming up next. See you then. <laughs>